Thank you, choir, orchestra, Caroline. I love that song, listen to it often, so thank you for doing it. Yesterday I was reading, I came to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. The prophet wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. As I read that verse yesterday, I, I thought to myself, that sounds like a description of our own day. There is a tremendous amount of confusion in our day. Rules and roles have changed. For instance, we are told that if we do not believe in global warming, then we are unscientific, anti-science. And those same people then tell us that if a man feels like a woman, then he is a woman. I looked that up on the internet, a study that had been done. It said researchers analyzed differences between men and women by analyzing the expression of 20,000 genes in the body. 6,500 are expressed differently in men and women. 6,500 genetic differences. For instance, men are more prone to Parkinson's disease, but women have a gene in their brains that appear to protect the neurons from Parkinson's disease. But you see, we live in a time when one's feelings has become the standard for truth. How one feels determines what is truth. I went to see my doctor recently. The nurse was checking me in. And she said, have you lost weight? And I said, I feel like I have. She said, well, that's wonderful. Get on the scale and let's see. I said, uh, no, I feel like 180. Just put that down. <laughs> but today we live in a time that is a strange time when the way one feels becomes the truth. The truth is, the fact is, men and women are different and fathers and mothers are different. Barbara Porter gave me an article, A Woman's Facts About Men, that says men and women are different emotionally. The article says men are sensitive in strange ways. If a man has built a fire and the last log does not burn, he will take it personally. Most women are introspective. Am I in love? Am I emotionally and creatively fulfilled? Most men are not. Did my team win? How's my car? Linda and I were eating once and there were four men who were sitting behind me. After we left, she said, I was listening to those men's conversation. I said, well, what did you learn? She said, all men talk about is sports. And I said, so what is your point? That is what we talk about. Men and women are different. Emotionally, we are different intellectually. 
Barbara's article said, men forget everything. Women remember everything. That's why men need instant replays in sports. <laughs> They've already forgotten what happened. That's probably true. But since this is Father's Day, I want to speak to you about the spiritual aspects of fatherhood. Take your Bibles, turn with me. Genesis chapter 5, verse number 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Men, what is the foundation for fatherhood? What is the foundation on which we build our fatherhood? I think we see it there in verse number 22 when it says that Enoch walked with God. Now, to walk with someone suggests a relationship with that person. To walk then with God means that I know God. It's one thing to know facts. It's something else to know the person. For instance, I know facts about God. I know that he is good, kind, benevolent, long-suffering. I know that he is holy, those kinds of things. I know facts about Jesus. I know who his parents were, Mary and Joseph. I know where he was born, Bethlehem. I know where he died, Calvary. I know how he died, crucified. I know those things. But to know facts is not the same thing as knowing someone. I know facts about LeBron James but I do not know LeBron James. So when he says that Enoch walked with God, it suggests that Enoch knew God. Relationship. Men, the foundation for fatherhood is that we have a relationship with God, but to walk with someone also suggests fellowship. When people are dating, they walk with each other. That's not just for exercise. That is for fellowship. They fellowship together. They walk. They hold hands. They fellowship. Linda and I walk Blue, my dog, every morning. It is fellowship. She and I fellowship together. Blue fellowships with Gabe, who's a, a, a black uh, lab and Moses, big dog, about like this, about three times the size of blue. Zoe, little brown dog, it's a time of fellowship. So to walk with someone suggests fellowship. Friends walk together, it is a fellowship. We were at the, at the beach once with the Bassanios, and I told John, I said, uh, we are, we're going to go walk on the beach. He said, great, said, I'll go with you, we'll have a good time. So we get out there and we get out of the car and we start walking and we walked a little ways. And he said, how far do you walk? And I said, well, down and back is about four miles. He said, uh, how far have we gone? About a mile. I said, about a hundred yards. He said, I'm, I'm going to go back to the car. And he went back, started the car, and sat there until we got back with the air conditioner running. But to walk with someone suggests a relationship with that person and fellowship with that person. So to walk then with God 
means that I have a relationship with God, that I know God, and I have fellowship with Him. The Bible says in Micah 6, 8, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Men, the foundation for fatherhood is a relationship to God and fellowship with Him. And if you're trying to build it on something else, it is a flawed foundation. The relationship we have with God, the fellowship we have with Him, that is the foundation on which one builds fatherhood. But what's the motivation? Why do we do it? What is it that motivates us to have a relationship with God? As fathers, what is it that motivates us to have this fellowship, this relationship with God. I think, first of all, it is a feeling of responsibility we have for our children. Look down at verse number 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God. After his son was born, the Bible says, then he walked with God. I think there was a sense of responsibility. I have this child. And that motivated him to walk with God. I understand that. I was brought up in the church. My dad was a deacon. My mother was uh, active in the church. and So I was brought up in the church. But like a lot of knuckleheads, I got to be about 13 years old and didn't think I needed to go anymore. So I started skipping. And after a little while, I was totally out of church. I went on Easter, seldom went at Christmas, but I went on Easter. And uh, I, I, I didn't go to church until uh, Linda and I were married and, and then Steph was born. And uh, Stephanie was growing up in our home and I, I still remember, I began to think, you know, she needs to be in church. She needs to have that relationship with the Lord. It was one Sunday about noon. I used to sleep till noon every Sunday like some of you guys do. But I used to sleep till noon every Sunday and I still remember being there in my chair and I'm reading the newspaper and Stephanie's overplaying and, and I thought she needs to be in church and we started looking for church at that time. When we got there I found out it wasn't Stephanie who needed to be there, it was me. I was the one. You see, some of you guys are like that. You, possibly you are here today or you're listening today because you feel that responsibility to those children. That I have a responsibility, an obligation as a father, a spiritual responsibility to my children. Parents feel that. Patrick Morley told the story of his friend, Dr. Phil Littleford. He took two friends and his son, Mark, on a fishing trip to Alaska. They rented a seaplane, they flew into where they were going, and they landed and they fished all day. When they started to leave, they went back and the tide had gone out and the plane was actually sitting on a, on a sand dune. What they didn't realize is that the pontoon had been punctured and filled up with water. So when they waited for the tide to come back in and then they started to lift off, the plane started and then it spun around and around and crashed and they began trying to swim to the shore. The boy Mark was struggling and his dad, Dr. Littleford, tried to save him and he wouldn't leave him and they both drowned. You see, 
young people and children, you don't understand the responsibility that your parents feel for you until you have children and then you will. I think one of the motivations for a spiritual journey with God and building on that foundation is that sense of responsibility, that I have a responsibility to my children, to my family that is spiritual in nature and also I can influence them in the right direction and apparently Enoch influenced his grandson Noah. Because it says in chapter 6, verse number 9, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. The Bible says that Noah was a righteous man, which means justified before God. It speaks of integrity. Noah was a righteous man, and I would contend that at least in part that came from his grandfather. Joseph, the father of of Jesus was a righteous man. The Bible says, Matthew 1:19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. So when God looked for an earthly father for his son, he looked for someone who was righteous. Jesus was righteous. Luke 23, 47, now when the centurion saw what had happened, the crucifixion, he began praising God, saying, certainly this man was righteous. Fathers, You are to be righteous. You and I are to be righteous. And righteousness is reflected in one's speech. Proverbs 10, 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. We live in a day which, in which it seems that every expletive is accepted. You know, the problem is, is that your speech reflects your heart. And you ought to be careful with your speech. I was at a football game. There was a man sitting up behind me. And I think that every three words was an expletive. And I thought to myself, how embarrassed his family must be. We are to be righteous. And righteousness is reflected in our speech. Righteousness is reflected in the way we treat those who are weak or those who are helpless the unborn, the old, the sick. And righteousness is characterized by truth. Proverbs 13, 5 says, A righteous man hates falsehood. When I was a boy growing up, and I've said this before, and I know that it's common to many of you, my father would make business deals simply by shaking the hand of the person with whom he was making the deal. Today we have to have a battery of lawyers. Why? Because we're not honest. Because we're not trustworthy. Because we're not righteous. The Bible says that Noah was righteous, that he was blameless. That does not mean sinless. Because the Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. So it doesn't mean that he was sinless, but it means that he was sincere. Matthew Henry said, He was blameless, not with sinless perfection, but a perfection of sincerity. Men, when we walk with God, when we're righteous, then we have influence with our children. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about Oral Hirschheiser, the baseball player. 
The attorney for him suggested questions when assessing his life. They were having a conversation about being satisfied with life, and he said, here's some questions for you to answer that question. Am I still married? Are my children happy, and do they know and love me as their father? Do I still have lifelong friends? He said, if yes, then you're having a great career. Hershiser said, when I'm finished with baseball, my most important goal is not to make the Hall of Fame, but to see my children successful in life as a result of my influence. Isn't that a good goal? That my children would be successful in life because I've had a positive influence on their life, a spiritual influence on their life. Men, are you having a spiritual influence on the life of your children? We teach them about baseball and football, everything else. Are you teaching them about Jesus, a spiritual influence on their life? Third thing is the duration of fathers. A father's influence endures even when it's difficult. Enoch endured. Now the society in which he lived was sinful. In chapter 6, verse number 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So th that was the environment in which Enoch found himself. It was a sinful time. Sometimes we want to wash our hands of all and say, Well, it's just too difficult. It's too sinful. It's too evil. It was that way with Enoch. And how did he respond? Look at verse number 22. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years. He endured for 300 years. Pretty impressive, isn't it? He lived in a society when men's thoughts were only evil continually. But he was faithful. He endured for 300 years. Men, we must never quit. We must never fall by the wayside. And when we do, we are confusing to our children and we lose influence with them. When we are inconsistent morally, we lose influence with our children who are looking to us. I think you're just like I am. I want to be the same person on Monday that I am on Sunday. I mean, we look spiritual today, right? I mean, you look at us, we've come to church, we brought Bibles, we got a tie on, all those things. We look good. We look spiritual. We look godly. I want to be godly on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's not just a one-day affair. It's every day. Consistency is more important than other things, man. Being consistent. Consistent in your homes. Treat your wife with respect. I know there's been a lot said recently about women and being abused. I can't imagine that. I remember whenever I was a boy, a man who would abuse his wife or his children was absolutely worthless. No one wanted to have anything to do with it. Why would anybody do that? Treat your wife with respect. Live in such a way that your children see your consistent walk with God. 
In your business, be consistent. Make sure that your business practices are consistent with your confession of faith. Make sure your pleasures also reflect Christ. Be consistent. We're never going to get there, men. Whenever we come to church on Sunday and we do whatever we do and people think that we're good, upstanding people. But we're at home, at work, watching pornography. We don't treat our wives with respect. Our children are watching and they know. Our children know. We have to be consistent. In conclusion, a father's responsibility is to walk with God. So make sure that you have a relationship with God. Not that you just know things about God, but that you know Him. That you know Him. That you fellowship with God. That daily you spend time with the Lord, fellowshipping with Him. Whether it's in song, in singing to it. Do you ever sing to the Lord? Lord thinks I'm pretty good. Steve doesn't, but God does. I mean, whatever, reading your Bible and praying and worshiping the Lord, just worshiping the Lord. See, as men, that's what we are to do. As fathers, that's what we are to do because that is foundational to fatherhood, that we have a relationship with Him, that we walk with Him. Your influence will be determined by your walk. Fathers, you can have a negative influence on your children and the results will be greater than you imagine. Tim Kimmel told a story about when he was in college. He said he was working as a bricklayer's helper. There was a project and they were building this home and, and uh, they hired a father and a son to lay bricks and he was helping them. He said when they finished laying the bricks, the windows wouldn't fit. And he said they were trying to find out why the windows wouldn't fit. And then they discovered that they had bought a yardstick or a measurement at a bargain center and it was one eighteenth of an inch off. Not much, but the windows wouldn't fit. Men, when you're angry, chances are you'll pass it on. When you're fearful, You will influence your children not to try some things when they're tough or when they're challenging. And when you don't see a task through, you teach your children to be quitters. See, sometimes we think what we're doing is not that significant. But it can make a big difference in the life of your child who is watching you and who is learning from you. You have the opportunity to provide a godly influence to your family. Jane Pauley, the former host of the Today Show, was asked about the secret to her calm and self-confident demeanor. And she said her parents had loved her unconditionally. That's the way we are to, there should never be a doubt in your child's mind that you love them. That doesn't mean that you give in to everything they want. That's an indication you don't love them. A lot of times we're giving in to our children when we should not, 
Not because we love them too much, but because we love ourselves too much. And we want our children to approve us. That's not your job. Our job is to bring up godly children. So sometimes it's important that you say no and that you mean no. General Douglas MacArthur was honored as the father of the year. In his acceptance speech, he said in part, by profession, I am a soldier and take pride in that fact. But I am prouder, infinitely prouder to be a father. A soldier destroys in order to build. The father only builds and should never destroy. The soldier has the potentiality of death, but the father embodies creation and life. It is my hope that my son, who when I am gone, will remember me not from the battle, but in the home, as he hears me say, Our Father, which art in heaven. Men, there is no one who has greater influence than you. Everything you do is being measured and watched. Make sure that you build on the foundation of a relationship to God. Make sure that you know Him and that you have a daily walk with Him. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him you have a tremendous opportunity. Make sure you use it wisely. Our gracious Father in God, I come especially today to lift up fathers to you. Lord, I pray for them. I know that it isn't easy being a father today. I know that there are a lot of uh, temptations. But I pray, Father, that you will Help these fathers understand greater is he who is within than he who is of the world. Lord, I know that there are many interests that pull at them, business concerns, other issues. Help them not to neglect the family. Lord, I pray that you will raise up Christian men, godly men, men who love you, Men who will be an example, a light to our country, to our nation, and to their families. I pray, Father, for some that that will be a commitment today that they will make. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand and the choir's going to sing. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you today to trust Him, to commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you as a member of this family. Stand with me, please. As they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.
be seated.